Do you know there's a lot of people out there that have never had anyone show them love? I mean the God kind of love, agape love, where you love unconditionally, where you value and you so appreciate a person. But you know, one thing about the Grinch is when somebody came along and finally showed him that kind of love, what did it do to that cold heart? It melted it. And you too can melt the hearts, the coldest hearts of men, through the love of God. How about a Christmas carol? Now, we know about Ebenezer Scrooge, don't we? He was visited by the spirits of Christmas past, present, and future, who really gave him a reality check about what was up in his life. How much more do we need to have a reality check? You know, the thing about Ebenezer Scrooge is he was self-centered. He looked into himself, and he, he made sure that his needs were taken care of but didn't look around to anybody else until he saw the light. Praise God. I think that's true for all of us. We can be so looking inward until we see the light, until we're able to give with that spirit of generosity. Hallelujah. That's something that the Holy Ghost will work in you so that he can work it through you. It becomes a spirit of giving. A spirit of generosity. I mean, Ebenezer worked under the spirit that was the reciprocal to the spirit of generosity. But oh, it's so much fun to allow that to work in you. To put fear aside and to say, you know what? I'm going to be a blessing in whatever way I can do. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's other ways. But the Spirit of God will show you how to have a spirit of giving and generosity and hospitality to people. The other thing I like to watch is Hallmark movies. (laughs) You know, they always have a crisis, but the crisis always turns around. And one thing that those movies remind me of is hope. That we can always have hope. The God kind of hope that he will turn things around. Amen? Um, Let's see. Lastly, how about it's a wonderful life? I mean, that's a favorite. It's a classic. It's a wonderful life. George Bailey was so deeply depressed due to an overwhelming financial crisis that was happening in his life. That depression led him to believe that he would be worth more dead than alive. He didn't see his value. He thought his life didn't make a difference until one day the angel Clarence showed up (laughs) and he showed him what his family and what his community would look like If he were never born. You know, in the movie, it was the prayers of his family and friends 
that reached heaven and brought George help. Your prayers can bring power to your family and friends. And especially this time of year, your prayers can make a difference. Your heart of generosity, your sincere care for a person. These are times that, you know, sometimes it's on the other side of happy. People are dealing with things in their lives where there's different losses. Maybe they're alone. Maybe they've been through a financial crisis and there's stress. And you can make a difference. Hallelujah. You can bring that spirit of Christmas to their hearts. You can. In small, simple ways. It can be through a a simple thing like just bringing a smile and a good morning and a how are you and a God bless you. Sometimes I notice that when I walk in a place, I just love people and I don't care where it is. I just don't know a stranger. And I walk in and, you know, just God bless you. I'll open the door and just be blessed to open it for somebody. And it's almost like they're taken back. And so what does that say? It says, you know, the light of God stands out in a dark world. Movies can be enjoyable. They can be entertaining. But we don't live in the movies, do we? In this hour that we live in, you can turn on the TV. I mean, open up a newspaper or magazine. And what's going to hit you in the face is the spirit of murder, violence, lawlessness, rebellion, dishonor, disrespect. I mean, you can't even go to Walmart without being in danger these days. So you better make sure you've got your angels with you and you're pleading the blood over you. You know, instead of the spirit of giving we see a lot of the spirit of taking. No wonder they call it Flat Friday. It is the spirit of hustle and bustle. Dog eat dog. People are caught up by a spirit of selfishness. It's ishy. It's all about self. It's certainly not a holly jolly holiday. But... What I find is that you have to pursue that spirit of Christmas. You have to go after it. You have to be, oh, I'm telling you. You have to be one that's going to, actually what it means, what the word pursue means, it means to go after, to accomplish, to engage in, to take hold of, and to follow after in order to overtake. Pursuing. That spirit of Christmas. You know, if you won a golden ticket like Charlie did in the Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory. And the ticket was worth a hundred million dollars. And you misplaced it. What would you do? Would you just say, oh, I misplaced it. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. No, you wouldn't do that. You would do what? 
You would tear everything in your house apart, in your car, in your office, everywhere you've been, trying to find the hundred million dollar golden ticket. You would pursue it. And that's what we have to do in this day, in this hour, to pursue that spirit of Christmas. The spirit of God. Amen. Let's pursue and let's take hold up and let's get caught up. I just want to stir you up tonight because this time of year we need to be stirred. There's all kinds of other things pulling on us. That other spirit that's out there. But you see, we don't have to let it get on us. And if we don't let it get on us, we don't have to let it get in us. It won't get in us. We'll have another spirit that we're carrying. It's the Holy Spirit, the spirit of love, the spirit of joy, the spirit of peace. Amen. That is so more valuable to give those that you love, those who you are around is that kind of spirit. It's so much more valuable than the most expensive gift that you can buy and wrap and put under a tree. But we've got to be stirred up in these things. We've got to be reminded of these things. So, again, let's pursue getting caught up in the true spirit of Christmas. Let's pursue the true meaning and reason for the season. You see, the true meaning of this season is the celebration of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's so easy to set that aside when you're involved in making sure you do all these other things. But it's the primary thing that we must hold on to so that we have it to give to others. Jane and I were just in a store last night. And, you know, we were just looking at some makeup and having fun. And just the opportunity just arises where you can just start talking to the person. You know, pretty soon we know a little bit about this person's background. She's from what denomination and inviting her to church and just laughing with her, just having fun with her. And before he left, she said, you know, I really want to come to your church. Because why? Those seeds were planted. And you can do that too. Everywhere you go. In the Gospel of John chapter 3, I want to talk to you a little bit because this is really the Christmas story. And in John chapter 3, we see a man whose name was Nicodemus who came to Jesus pursuing the meaning and the purpose for his existence. He had questions. Sometimes people have questions and questions can be really good. It means the Holy Spirit's drawing the person to him. And so he had questions and the Holy Spirit was just working on him, wooing him. And, and we got to recognize that we got to recognize that in the lives of people. We can't be too busy to pass that by. Don't let holiday traffic come in and detour you so that, you know, you miss the questions that they're asking. You miss the signs. What does traffic do in your life? You know, you get out there and the holiday traffic 
It slows you down. It frustrates you. It changes your schedule. It rearranges things. It gets you distracted. It gets you in the flesh. And there's lots of holiday traffic that's traffic that's not just in a car. It's the traffic of life. Holiday traffic. They'll get you so busy that you don't stop to see or answer a question when it's being presented. Sometimes questions come in the form of somebody being agitated. And you can simply ask a question back to them. How are you doing? You seem like maybe you're a little stressed today. Everything going okay? You know, we've got to take those opportunities. And it helps people. It really does. And so back to John chapter 3. At this time, what was happening there is um, Israel was occupied by the Romans. And there was um, a small group of what was called Sadducees and Pharisees that were given um, rule over the territories. And Nicodemus happened to be one of those Pharisees that was given rule over the occupied areas that, that Rome had occupied in Israel. And he held a seat. And that seat was on the ruling council. And he, it was known really as um, a centurion. And surprisingly, Nicodemus, he wanted to know more about Jesus. He, see, the Holy Ghost again was dealing with him. And he came seeking to pursue What about this person that's different? What about this man that's different? And he didn't want anybody else to know, so he came in the middle of the night to ask questions and to have a conversation with Jesus. So Nicodemus, in this conversation, Nicodemus says, Teacher, someone has been talking. You are obviously a teacher who has come from God, and the signs you are doing are proof that God is with you. Nicodemus was caught up on signs. He was looking to what Jesus was doing, his acts, signs, wonders, miracles. What I thought was interesting is Jesus, his response to Nicodemus' point was, it was not something that was natural. He didn't respond to, what about these signs that you're doing? He turned it around and pointed Nicodemus in another direction. He pointed him in the direction of those things that are above. And his response went like this. I tell you the truth. Only someone who experiences birth for a second time can hope to see the kingdom of God. See, Nicodemus asked one question, but Jesus answered it in another way. He redirected him from the things that were going on here to the things that he needed to see. Really, he was answering the question that Nicodemus had in his heart, which was this pursuit and the seeking of who Jesus was. And so he says, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, only someone who experiences birth for a second time can hope to see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus just simply said, hey, I'm a grown man. How's that going to work? I can't crawl back into my mother's womb. That's impossible. What do you mean a second birth? Jesus said, I tell you the truth. 
If someone does not experience water and spirit birth, there is no chance he will make it into the kingdom of God. Now see, water and birth, those two terms there, the Hebrews use the term water or the term drop in describing natural birth. So what Jesus was saying there is that you have to have a natural birth, but then you have to have a spiritual birth. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be shocked by my words, Jesus said, but I tell you the truth. Even you, Nicodemus, an educated and respected man among your people, must be reborn by the spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. The wind blows all around us as if it was has its own will we feel it we hear it but we do not understand where it has come from and where it will end up life in the spirit is as if it were the wind of god nicodemus responded i still do not understand how this could be Jesus said, your responsibility is to instruct Israel in matters of faith, but you do not comprehend the necessity of life in the spirit. I tell you the truth. We speak about these things. We know and we give evidence about these things we have seen, but you choose to reject the truth of our witness. If you do not believe when I talk to you about ordinary earthly things and earthly realities, then heavenly realities will certainly elude you. No one has ever journeyed to heaven except one who has come down from heaven. The son of man who is of heaven. And then Jesus went on to say, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And in the same way, the son of man must be lifted up. Then all those who believe in him will experience everlasting life. And here it is. One of the most um, well-known verses in the Bible. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God expressed his love for the world in this way. He gave his only son so that whosoever believes in him will not face everlasting destruction but will have everlasting life. Here's the point. God didn't send his son into the world to judge it, but instead he is here to rescue a world headed towards certain destruction. Wow. He had to wrap his head around that. See, it's the love of God that means everything. And it was God's love. It is God's love that is the reason for this season. And he demonstrated that love. He demonstrated it through the greatest gift that he could give. His only begotten son. Now the Greek word for begotten is monogenesis. And what that means, it's the only one of its kind. Or it's a unique kind. Begotten. Jesus was unique. He was the only 
one of his kind. Jesus, writing in the Gospels of John, chapter 1, uses the Greek word um, monogenesis to highlight Jesus as uniquely God's son, but sharing the same divine nature of God. Jesus wasn't created by God, the Father. He was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then we can see in verse 14, and the word became what? Flesh. And it dwelt among us, and we beheld its glory. The glory of the only begotten, the only unique one, not like another. See, we are sons and daughters of God through the adoption. But Jesus was God. And so he was, that was the greatest gift that God could give to mankind, was himself. Hallelujah. The greatest gift that we can give to people is ourself. No greater love has any man that you lay down your life for another. That's the greatest kind of love. Sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes you're tired and sometimes you're busy and sometimes you just don't have time and sometimes you just don't want to. But if you'll just allow God to begin to stir up on the inside of you, his love, his mercies, his compassion, It'll flow up from you like that river. And I'm telling you, when somebody makes that demand, you know, people have need. They have need to be loved. And we have love to give. Praise the Lord. What I find is when I stop and I give, when it's not convenient, when I don't feel like it, when I'm too busy... God just gives me time back. He just makes sure that I'm taken care of. Hallelujah. You got to do it by faith, though. (laughs) You got to do it by faith. You know, the spirit of God is so interesting. God is so interesting. We're talking about God the Father becoming through the Son. The word of God becoming flesh. That's amazing to me. Sometimes we don't understand it all. I like to kind of describe it this way. It's like an egg that has three parts. You have a white, a yolk, and a shell. If you take the yolk away from the egg, it's still part of the egg. If you take the white away from the egg, it's still part of the egg. And the same thing is true with the shell. But together, the white, the yolk, and the shell make up one egg. And see, God says he, we can see him through nature. And you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost make up one God. Hallelujah. Love 
love manifested in the flesh. Woo! Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us when we were not lovable. You valued us. You esteemed us. And you created man higher than the angels. Oh, Lord, we just give you praise and glory and honor for your love that you have bestowed upon mankind. I want to turn for just a moment to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'm going to read some things to you out of the Mirror Bible. Do you remember Keith Hershey talking to us about that Mirror Bible? I just want to read to you just a little bit about what love is. Because again, the more we hear it, the more it's stirred in us, the more we're reminded to walk in it, to show it, to give it, the more God works in our heart a desire for it. Verse 3, love is not about defending a point of view. (laughs) Even if I am prepared to give it away, everything I have, and die a martyr's death, love does not have to prove itself by acts of extreme. Excuse me, I do need my glasses here. Love does not have to prove itself by acts of supreme devotion or self-sacrifice. Isn't that good news? Love is large in being passionate about life and relentlessly, relentlessly, relentlessly patient. Patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others with kindness. Love is completely content and strives for nothing. Love has no desire to make others feel inferior and has no need to sing its own praises. Love is predictable and does not behave out of character. Love is not ambitious. Love is not spiteful. And that word spiteful is translated as it has no sharp edges. And we even see that in the Amplified. It says love is not hard, harsh, sharp, or pressing. So if you sense yourself being hard, hard, harsh, sharp, or pressing, that's not the spirit of love. So you make an adjustment. Amen? So love is not spiteful and gets no mileage out of another's mistakes. That's good. Because the spirit of this world takes advantage of somebody else's mistake to make themselves look better. That's not the spirit of God. Love is a fortress where everyone feels protected rather than exposed. See, love covers the multitude of sin. Love's persuasion is persistent. Love believes. Love never, ever loses hope and always remains constant in contradiction. Love never loses altitude. 
And that word means to lose hype or to stop soaring. Prophecies will cease. You know, people love to get a prophecy. They love to hear people prophesy. But prophecies are going to cease. Just like when a placenta is discarded from a baby that is born. Tongues will pause. So that which was spoken will be fully interpreted. The request for knowledge will be inappropriate when perfection is grasped. When I was an infant, I spoke infant gibberish with the mind of an infant. My reasoning also was typical of an infant. How it changed when I became a man. I am an infant no more. Now the word infant there means... Without any command of speech. Now, what is the one thing that God has created us in his image to do? To speak. To speak words that are full of power. To speak words that change the course of your life. To call those things that be not as though they are. See, an infant cannot do that. They don't have the command of that speech because they don't have the place of authority. But when you grow up and you put away childish things, what is childish? Strife, division, amen? Jealousies, indies. Those things are childish things. Selfishness. It's a childish thing. You got to put it away. And you got to step up so that you can have a command of speech. So that your words carry power. God says he will create the fruit of your lips. Wow. What are you saying? What are you having? God's word tells us that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so when we step outside of love and we begin speaking a certain way, if you're not an infant, oh my goodness. Wow. Selah. Pause and think about what your words are creating. Are they creating more confusion, strife, envy, and division? Because if they are, that also creates every evil work. Or are they speaking words? Words of peace. Words of life. Words of faith. Oh, glory to God. I want to be an imitator of God. Just like Abram. His name was changed to Abraham. Because every time it was said, he was called the father of many nations before he was one. He heard it. Then he began to see it. Then he seized it. That's how God operates. 
God said, let there be light. And so it was. And we're created in his image. And so we need to be speaking some things. Speaking words of life and faith again over your loved ones. Not looking at the things that are seen. Because I'm telling you, those things are subject to change. They're subject to the word of the living God. You can prophesy to the dead bones and say, live. Prophesy to situations in your life that you want to see changed. That you desperately need to see changed. And then stay on it. Put your stake in the ground. Amen. Let the spirit of God give to you what you need. Don't be an infant. But be a mature son and daughter of God. Verse 12 says there was a time of suspense when everything we saw was merely mirrored in the prophetic word. Like an enigma. But then. When I became a man in the revelation of Christ, I gazed face to face and behold, I am in him. And if you're in him, you're in love because he is love. Hmm. Glory to God. Oh, I'm telling you. Oh, thank you, Lord, that I've found you. Thank you, Lord, that I've found another way of living. Another way of having my being. And oh, it's brought so much more joy to my heart than any other life I could have given myself. You know, back in the 70s, they had this campaign. It was called I Found It. Does anybody remember that campaign? They had yellow bumper stickers and it was black aerial writing, I think the font was. And it said, I found it. And one day a lady called me up and she said, hi, I'm from I Found It. Well, I really didn't know what I found it was. I was raised in the Baptist church. I was born again in the Baptist church. I prayed every single day, you know, when I went to bed and went to sleep. But I didn't really know what this campaign was. And I had just come home from work. I was tired. And, you know, she said, hi, I'm from I Found It. I said, well, hello. She said, have you found Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And I was so proud to say, oh, yes, I have. Oh, she said, that's wonderful. And then she said, what church do you go to? See, I believe God gave her those words. Because I said, well, I don't go to church right now. And she said, you don't? Why not? And I said, well, because my life is busy. It was full of holiday traffic. (laughs) Little kids, you know, little boys. And you know, all of a sudden, this lady on the other end of the phone began to cry and to weep. And I did not know what was wrong with her. 
And I just wanted to get off the phone. But I didn't want to be rude. And she said, honey, can I please just send you some books in the mail? And I said, sure, no problem. See, the Spirit of God was moving on her with the spirit of intercession for me. And she put those books in the mail, and I didn't get them the next day. I didn't get them the day after that, but on the third day, I came home, and those books were in my mailbox. And I took my mail, and I went in the house, and I sat down on the couch. I hadn't quite gone to pick up my little boys, but I I sat down on the couch, and I saw this material. And so I opened it up, and the Spirit of God was just moving on me. See, he had been wooing me for those three days. He had been drawing me, hissing for me. And I sat there, and I'm telling you, it was so powerful because as he began to move in my heart, I began to have this desire. Okay, I'll tell you what, God, I'll make a deal with you. I don't want to know what the Baptists say. I don't want to know what the Pentecostals say. I don't want to know what the Catholics say. I don't want to know what the Methodists say. I want to know what you say. And if you will reveal yourself to me, I'll serve you. Really what I was saying is I'll surrender my life to you. See, he was my savior, but I needed to make him the Lord of my life. And so, I'm telling you, I had such a hunger come over me. It was an amazing hunger from God. Oh, I hungered. And you know, God is still answering that prayer today. I still hunger and I still thirst for him. I still want to know him intimately. I still want to become acquainted with him. Progressively more acquainted. Intimately recognizing and knowing, perceiving his ways, his heart. And I want to be obedient to him. I want to serve him with my life. I want my life to bring glory to him. And I think about that one act of that lady. That lady who I'm sure had a lot of people hang up on her. That lady who, because of the love of God in her, made calls on the phone saying, Hi, I'm from I Found It. Have you found Jesus? She will not know this side of heaven. What that phone call set in motion for my course. And as I began to sit and hunger and read the word. And God just had the word in the Bible. Just the words leaped off the pages into my heart. And I began to grow and grow and grow. And I was soon after that connected within six months to a a, 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 a person who was going to start a Bible study. I, I, I can't tell you the whole testimony right now. There's just not time. But I had been driving to... Work in the morning, and I decided, okay, it's time to listen to some Christian radio. (laughs) So I turned on the radio, and there was Kenneth Copeland 
and the believer's voice of victory. And oh, that started feeding me. And I wanted to find somewhere where there was a church that was preaching what he was preaching. But there wasn't one. So God divinely connected me to somebody who also was looking to start a Bible study. And there was a group of five that gathered and we prayed. And I'm telling you, 35 years later, here we are standing Oh, thank you, Lord, for it. Thank you, Father, for that lady that called me. That lady that called me because of the love of God in her heart. You can make a difference. You can make a difference with your life and with the love of God flowing through you. To change the course of another person's life. Will you do it? Will you do it? Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Don't let your light be hidden. Let your light shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your moral excellence and your praiseworthiness, your noble and good deeds and recognize and honor and praise and glorify your father who is in heaven. Praise God. I hope I've stirred your hearts tonight. I hope I've stirred your hearts to maintain and to stimulate the spirit of Christmas within you this year. That spirit of love. That spirit of generosity, that sincere care for other people. Amen? Amen. You too, like George Bailey, can make a difference. Let God show that to you. Let him reveal it to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for this time that we've come together tonight. And I just ask you to take this exhortation. And cause it to be worked in our hearts. That, oh, Father, we would even desire more earnestly desire, Lord. To have our lives bring glory to you. To let our light shine and to be the salt of the earth. As you've called us to be. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor for it, Lord.